0: to a brand new episode, that's right, it's new, it's not a repeat of, that's odd, I'm one of your hosts, Johnny Townsend, living in stormy North Carolina, and with me is uh, my buddy Chris Chavez, living in stormy New York. That's me! That's me!
1: That's gonna be, every time you introduce me moving forward, I'm just gonna go,
0: that's me! <laughs> I like it, I like it. I don't know if I do. <laughs> I already <laughs> got, two
1: two times that I got sick of it already
0: yeah that's how it is right (laughs) i get sick of just hearing myself talk and uh and i have four or like 20 podcasts so (laughs) well we're gonna add 20 more so i don't care i'm putting you to work man (laughs) all right that's fine it's not like according to uh our friend anthony i i you know i only kind of sort of draw anyways so (laughs) yeah exactly
1: (laughs) check out hardly awesome podcast for that reference (laughs)
0: how you doing so we're here so we're here for another episode of That's Odd. I me mean, you both are a little concerned. Yes. Uh, this show uh, does have the curse on it, of course, which yes. it. it's very famously documented. And uh, I was telling you, as we started recording, that there's a storm brewing down here. Literally, it's thundering outside, Yep. and I'm trying to rush it a little bit, just in case. And then you told me uh, the same thing's going on up there. It's
1: getting super dark and creepy, which is perfect for this ki- type of show, yep. but it's, it's also perfect for the curse to act up. So, yeah, I'm hoping right. that we're going to be good
0: here. I'm going to say that we are. I'm going to just yes. be hopeful and uh, and assume. Yes. Yes. And if not then uh you know, it's not like it hasn't done it to us before. <laughs> exactly. Uh so
1: guys, if you're new to the show, um welcome. This is not History Creeps even though that's what it says in our title. This is our other our other show that's within the show. That's odd. Yes, that is odd that there is a show within the show, but that's also the title of this show
0: within the show. That's odd. Yeah. Uh, are you up to date on this now (laughs) Uh, did you write this down keep notes (laughs) and there will be a test later that's right
1: Um, so we've been trying to do themes uh and i and this i think this week i kind of threw you for a loop when i told you what i wanted to do uh but you said you have something that's going to go along the lines of what we're doing so i'm assuming our theme this week is sports related sports figures
0: yes yes Yes, sir so if you love sports out there, then this is the episode for you.
1: Exactly. I think mine is somewhat considered, I mean, people do consider it a sport. Some don't. So uh Just say sports entertainment. <laughs> that's what they call it now. <laughs> well, back, well, I think back the day that I'm referring to, though, there was a lot more sport to it, though. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Back when everybody just knew it was real. Physicality. Um, uh, not yeah. that
1: it's not physical nowadays,
0: but... Um, all right, let's get into the show today. Let's do it. Well, let's do let's do it. Let's get into it. Uh mine's about a sport that's I think it's still the number 1 sport in the world. And that's we call it soccer here, but it's called football everywhere else, of course. Yes. Um Matthias Sindelar, hopefully I'm pronouncing that last name correctly. He was a famous Austrian soccer player. Uh he, he actually Austrian? had a nickname, Austria from <laughs> Austria. <laughs>
1: well, good day, mate.
0: No, no. Throw another Austria. strip on the body. Not Australia. Austria. <laughs> Do you remember that scene
1: from Dumb and Dumber?
0: Oh yeah, for sure, hundred percent.
1: He's like, "That's a nice accent you have there, New Jersey."
0: She's like Austria. <laughs> All right, sorry. Venna, that's a classic film. Yes. Uh, he actually had a nickname, uh, Paperman, and he was called Paperman because he had a very slight build. Um. All this uh, is to say that around the year 1938, this is when he was around 34, 35, and he was a very famous soccer player still, Austria actually qualified for the World Cup. But of course, when I say the year 1938, that should, if you know your history, trigger something, especially when I'm talking about Austria. That is uh, around the time that a certain country by the name of Germany yep. invaded Austria and took it over. Uh, so, um, by, uh, a nah, little, little later, like later on in 1938, they're going to call it a, a reconciliation, a reconciliation match. If I can yeah. talk correctly, that'd be great. You know, because the gist is, since Austria is now technically Germany, according to Germany, uh, their teams are going to kind of become one, but before they do that, let's play each other. <laughs> um, yeah. Sindelar or Matthias, I'm going to keep calling Matthias because I, I know I'm pronouncing that word right. Uh, he was actually outwardly, fundamentally opposed to Nazi Germany. And he and if anybody asked him, uh, he would say so. So let's get into the actual game. Austria, like at the beginning of the match, Austria, they're called matches, right? Yes. I'm, my soccer knowledge is very limited. Yep, You're doing well. All right, Austria would miss many shots that you would think they would normally make.
1: Yep, they're call shots. Good job.
0: Yeah, that, that part. I, was, I knew I had that one right. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of people believe uh, that this is because they were ordered not to score. Ah. But that changed midway through the second half. Uh, Austria would actually score they would go on to win two to zero but that's not what's important here uh, during one of the score one of the times that Austria scored uh, Matthias did something a little out there for and brave I gotta say he would actually after a score he began to dance and celebrate in front of a director's box that was filled with high-ranking Nazi officials. So he's kind of shoved it in their face, if you think about it, sitting there dabbing or whatever the kids did back then.
1: (laughs) Can you imagine an old-school soccer player (laughs) dabbing on the (laughs) sideline?
0: (laughs) Doing the doggy. So the game ends, and then after that, uh, Germany uh, keeps trying to get Matthias to play for the German team they would constantly ask him and he would always say no i don't want anything to do with that But right. well, what he did instead is he would go into buy like a coffee shop from a, a <laughs> uh, the owner was previous previously a jewish owner and he would they even noted this in the in the both of the uh, the newspapers that I read over this uh, that he paid a fair wage because apparently it was a big deal that he would actually pay a jewish person in germany a fair wage for their uh, business that they had owned and uh, so he was kind of doing that but then we're going to fast forward just less than a year later, January 23rd, 1939. Nobody had heard from Matthias for a while. And that kind of, you know, got his buddy Gustav uh, concerned. Hmm. You know, obviously it'd be like if me or you didn't hear from each other, because we kind of talk every day. Yeah. Uh, if we didn't hear from each other like during the day, if we didn't respond, we'd be uh, we're a little worried, right?
1: I was a little bit the other day when I texted you when I was at Target and I didn't get a response. And it was until like 10 and I was like, huh. Hope he's okay. It's
0: different. Oh, and I was fine. My phone just said I wasn't <laughs> going to get text from you. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, so, so he went to go check on his buddy. Uh, one of the articles I read said he actually broke down the friend's door because uh, oh. Matthias's door because he wouldn't answer. Nice. But uh, tragically, what he did find was Matthias naked and dead oh. uh, laying with his girlfriend, who was also unconscious. And she would actually go on to. Passed away later at the hospital. Uh, the cause of death. This is where this gets even more strange. The police officially say the cause of death is asphyxiation by carbon monoxide fumes hmm. from a faulty heater. Of course, uh, if you think back to what I told you about him dancing and uh, yeah. you know jiving in front of the, the Nazis there. Doing the jitterbug, yep. That's right, doing the jitterbug. Uh, that made some people question if his death was an accident. Right. And what even adds more to this is the fact that six months later, the Nazi authorities ordered, they ordered the case to be closed before the public uh, prosecutor could reach a conclusion. Huh? So they said, Hey, you're not going to look more into this. It's done. It's over. It was an accident. That's what they claimed. And there was nothing anybody could do about it. They ordered it closed. Uh, newspapers and some other people would go on to say, "Hey, they were murdered." It, I mean, it's obvious they were murdered for this celebration. And there's a lot of things going on with this. Uh, a lot, of, a couple of the things that I read said that his girlfriend was Jewish. Uh. Uh, so that kind of added even more to it for you know uh, for the Nazis to want to do something. Um. But uh, here's the thing. You can actually go back and still look. Uh, I mean, I couldn't read it because it's in another language, obviously. But you can go back and look at the police records from that time because they still exist for this case. Uh, They didn't lose them. You can actually go back and read them yourself. Uh, And there's a lot of clues to it actually being an accident. And that is like the upstairs neighbors had actually complained days before that the chimney was blocked and they were smelling fumes and stuff. Hmm. So it was more than likely an accident. But what a lot of people were thinking is the newspapers at that time that were Mm anti-Nazi were kind of using this uh, as a way of, you know, saying, hey, look what the Nazis are doing. And to be fair, the Nazis are bad. I mean, they were bad guys, obviously. But, you know, they were kind of using this to kind of help their case in trying to prove that they were bad guys. I mean if you think about it he was a famous soccer player who showed you know showed up the nazis in a soccer game his girlfriend was apparently jewish they some said and they both just happened to die and nobody wants to believe that a hero cuz he was actually called a hero for what he did in soccer for austria Yeah uh, nobody wants to believe that a hero could just die by an accident like that What
1: was his name again I'm sorry
0: His name was Matthias Sindelar. And that's S-I-N-D-E-L-A-R. You can find pictures of him. Uh, I'm
1: pulling up YouTube to see if you can see the goal where he goes and dances in front of the box. That'd be amazing. I don't know.
0: I didn't even think of that. That's a good question.
1: It's old school footage. It's definitely black, like the old school black and white footage.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it would have to be in the 30s, right? Yeah. So, yeah. uh, But, yeah. So that's the story of Matthias Sindelar. Um, uh, people still question to this day if his death was an accident or not I'm kind of leaning toward it more than likely being one and it, his death was just kind of used Yeah, but we don't actually know 100% either way hmm.
1: they're showing Uh, it looks like there's the match it must be the match that's here it's like a little mini Oh, it's a History Channel biography kind of a thing. So I don't yeah. know if it's the actual match or not, but they're showing a lot of like footage to make it seem. You know how they they tell you the story, so you might be seeing footage from a different game, and then they cut yeah. to like all the Nazis sitting there watching a match too. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, you
0: can put together, you can edit anything to make it kind of. Yeah, that would have been interesting if
1: that was actually on film. I'd love to have seen that actually. Oh yeah, same here. Oh, that's a sad. That's kind of crazy too. I mean and and so it's still, it's still considered just as asphyxiation
0: right, yes, that's the wow. official cause of death official official all
1: right so mine's um mine's a little bit different than that uh so first of all, let me ask you something have okay. have you heard of a gentleman by the name of Tony Montana?
0: Tony Montana sounds very familiar. He's Scar- is he a gangster of some sort. Scang- that's Scarface.
1: Uh, it's right, Al yes. Pacino's Scarface, the movie Scarface, Tony Montana. Um, that's right. Gangster. It's funny that you say that because I'm going to tell you about Lenny Montana. It's not Tony's brother. Uh, oh. Lenny Montana is originally named Leonardo Passafaro, born in 1926, March 13th, 1926. He was born in Brooklyn, uh, New York City, to an Italian American family. Um, and he grew up you know he grew up in at the turn of the century in brooklyn in the streets uh in the 30s and 40s watching you know during prohibition and stuff and uh he was a pretty big guy for 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 his age he he was he was uh I say build because you know what that means. When they say they're build a, a certain yep. height, uh, they said he was about six foot six. I don't know if that there's an official you know uh, height for him, but they six foot six. He was a very very large gentleman. Uh, yeah. Even as he was older, he was big. He was he, he played sports. He was ruffian in the street kind of a thing, but he was a he was yeah. a, always a good natured kind of a kid. Um, in
0: all sports, I mean, it happens in basketball all the time too. Uh the build height may not always be the actual height right. if you know what i'm saying. Exactly. Yeah.
1: A lot of times it's exaggerated uh depending on what sport you're 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 in uh because yeah. it helps with the with the whole aura or persona of whatever you're trying to achieve in your sport. So uh so you're talking about the 1920s and 30s, you know, 30s and 40s he's growing up. Uh in the 1950s he decides he's going to get into professional wrestling. So, you know, at that time, professional wrestling is, is, is making its way. It's coming out of the traveling carnival thing and starting to become one of these things where they, like, they set up at arenas now. You know, there, yeah. different parts of the country are carving out territories, if you will. Um, so in the, the about 1950s, he, he starts uh, wrestling in New Jersey. Um, and he's going under the, the gimmick, the Zebra Kid. And he has a very an actually a very good career wrestling. He's, he's very well known in the pro wrestling world back then. Um, they said that he was you know, he, he went so far as to win the, the New Jersey Tag team titles in 1953 with the Golden Terror. Uh, he also began traveling on the road, wrestling in the Midwest, and soon he won the NWA Central States Heavyweight Championship. Uh, defeating dave sims on october 1st 1953 Uh, but then he loses the the title a couple of months later um so his final it says the final success of the 1950s came in 1956 when he won the nwa texas tag team championship with gene kaniski um Here's the thing. So, late 50s, he comes across this gentleman by the name of Eddie Sharkey. Uh, a lot of this, is I'm telling you, is just to give you like an idea of what of a storied uh, career this guy has had. He meets this guy named Eddie Sharkey in 1960. Do you know who Eddie Sharkey is? Is that name familiar to you at all? No, not at all. He's a, a very well-known American professional wrestling trainer. He's, uh, he's often called the trainer of champions. Um, he, tra- he trained people like Bob Backlund. Um, Paul Ellering. I'm trying to think of guys you would know. Nikita Koloff. Uh, yeah, those are all names I do know. Yeah, ex- the Road Warrior, Animal, and Hulk. Uh, Hawk. Uh, Rick Rude. He Rick Steiner. He's. I mean, he's trained a lot of guys. Wow. Jesse Ventura,
0: the Warlord. Yeah, a, those are big names.
1: So he meets uh, Lenny in 1960, and Lenny tells him, "Look, you should get into wrestling. I think you'd be good in in this in this world." And uh, Lenny introduces him to to a few people. Um. And he continues to wrestle as well, uh, Lenny does. Towards the late 50s and into the 60s, Lenny also decides that uh, to get a job as a bouncer at a bar to make some extra money. And it was at, at one of these bars, when he was bouncing, that he, he met certain individuals. Now, we started out talking about this. We, we were talking about gangsters. So when you're talking about the 50s, the 40s and 50s, uh, 60s, New York City, New Jersey, um, you, you have to go hand in hand with mafia with gangsters, right? Right. What is your what is your knowledge of mafia and gangsters? Are, are are you very knowledgeable in it? Do you know much about the mafia?
0: I know just some of the like historical things, like uh, you know the um, Valentine's Day massacre, that type of stuff. All but right.
1: You you you're familiar with the idea that in New York, uh, there were five. They were considered the five families. There are only. Five huge families that run the, the entire, you know, mafia in New York.
0: Right. I definitely heard that.
1: Uh, one of these families is the Columbo crime family headed by Joe Columbo. Uh, there's a very it's a really good series. I forgot what channel it was on. Maybe History Channel, but a super awesome series about the rise of the mafia with Joe Colombo and, and these guys right before they created uh, the five families, before Lucky Luciano decided to organize everybody. So uh, Lenny Montana, you know, becomes involved with these guys and they see a big guy and they're like, you're perfect. You're perfect for us. We we could use you as as muscle. You know what I mean? And when I say muscle, it's not, you know, not to pose, not to not to just look good. It's it's about like you owe them money and you're not paying. Lenny's the guy that comes to you with a baseball bat, with a gun, with whatever he needs to do to make sure you're giving him money that day whether you have it right. or not. Um, so you're talking, and that's, to me, This that was the weird, like, not not weird, but it's kind of like when you see this guy in the wrestling ring, you're not thinking that, you know, when he gets back into the locker room and he's taking his gear off, the next thing he's doing is he's going over to collect money for the Colombo family. Yes. You know <laughs> what I mean? They said that yep. uh, he was – Um, he was very tall, you know, heavily built and his talents were more as an enforcer and an arsonist. One of the things he used to do, uh, to collect money or to burn, like when he's, if they're collecting like burning a place down for the insurance money, or they're burning a place down to send a message, he would take a mouse. He would tie a tampon to the tail of the mouse, dip it in kerosene, light it, and let the mouse run through the building. That was well, that sounds
0: horrendous. <laughs> that was one of his
1: ways. Uh, one of his, his poor mouse. <laughs> yeah, one of his tricks. The other thing he would do is he would, uh, if he, if the place had a cuckoo clock, he'd put a, a lit candle in front of the little door so that when it, it went open, it would knock the candle over and start a fire. Wow. Um, yeah, he wasn't the nicest of guys in that in that respect, but he was very <laughs> yeah. well respected in the professional wrestling world. Um, he had a lot of fans who, would, you know, he he had he he was very well known. Like I said, and to to come in contact with people, put people in this world of wrestling, um, that like I was telling you before, the the trainer of champions. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. without Lenny being there, we might not have a lot of wrestlers that we know about. Because they never have been trained to be that good, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, that's weird to think about that.
1: So, that's not all, my friend. Uh-oh. Let me let me ask you something. So, I told you about Joe Colombo, right? The Colombo yes. family. Uh, yeah. Joe Colombo was the head of the crime family, uh, of the Colombo crime family, but he was also very well known in the, in the, the New York City area, in Brooklyn, for starting the Italian American Civil Rights League. It was started in the early '70s because at that time Italian Americans were were like uh, everybody said, "Oh, that's a mobster, that's a gangster, you know, it's a criminal." And he was tired of it. He was tired of it. even though he was a criminal and he was the head of one of the biggest <laughs> families, he was just tired of it being associated with his heritage. Yeah. So he he created this league, and they would successfully picket the FBI, uh, you know, in front of the FBI headquarters in New York City, uh, protesting the arrest of his son. Because his son was arrested on charges of conspiracy for melting down old U.S. silver coins uh, to try to, you know, pass off as ingots, um, and they, he would he would pick it and pick it and pick it, and like people got onto this, regular everyday Italian American people got in on this. So Joe Colombo is a very well known name in the mafia world, but also in, in Italian American history. Um yeah. So. 1970s there's a very very famous movie that is being made uh which is an adaptation of mario Puzo's book the godfather okay i've heard of it yes so uh, francis ford coppola is the director uh, and there's producers that are that have their hand in this and they're making this movie and joe colombo is not happy with the fact that in this movie uh the business that this is that it, they're referring to um is mafia. He doesn't like that. He doesn't like that the word mafia is in the movie at all. Okay? So yeah. they the the Italian American League um and the mafia put on a lot of of pressure on on these filmmakers to take that out. And so finally, they the, the, the producers relented and decided there's not going to be a time at all in the entire movie where it's referred to as mafia. It's going to re- be referred to as our thing or family business. But it, would never, it was not going to be referred to as mafia. So Columbo and the boys were happy. Oh, good. You know, that's great. Thank you. Next thing you know, there are mobsters all over the sets now, hanging out with the actors, hanging out with production people, telling them, you know, it really should look like this, or this guy really should talk like this. You know what I'm saying? He should be using yeah. this word, and this should this is how this is more realistic. You should do it like ah oh, no, we do. So they're all on set. Francis Ford Coppola takes a one look at Lenny Montana and says, "We have to use that guy. As big as this guy, he's a huge guy, right?" He says, "We got to yeah. use him." So he says, "There's a perfect spot for you. There's this character in the book. His name's Luca Brazzi. Luca Brazzi is one of the more feared gangsters in this book, in this world, because he's he's a huge hulking figure that the Godfather, played by Marlon Brando, uses to enforce. You know what I mean? Do things that need to get done. Um, Right. And he says, you're only going to be in it for one scene. He goes. What you need to do is you're gonna go. You're gonna go to the Godfather because if you've never seen the movie, it opens up with the Godfather's wedding, uh, daughter's wedding, and that's a big deal in the Italian families back then. The daughter's wedding was was a. It was like, it was like what you, you know how the royal weddings are. It was like that. It was insane. Like you're talking yeah, isn't about. The,
0: isn't that the one where like you can go and ask for one favor on that day?
1: Yes. And that's one of the yeah. big things. You go to the Godfather and you ask for a favor. So he says, but what you're seeing is, is you're the big guy. You're coming to the Godfather to thank him for for being there. You're grateful for being there. And so Lenny Montana is like, okay, okay, I can do this, right? Uh, except he's terrified. He's terrified not because of the cameras, not because of the directors, not because of the it's his he's going to, you know, try to do this line. He's terrified because he's going to be working face to face with Marlon Brando. At that time, Marlon Brando is a freaking legend. He's already oh, yeah. put out so many movies that at this time Brando's his acting like doesn't matter who you are. It's to be in the room with him is 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 almost an honor, you know what I mean? So he's nervous. And if you watch the film, the movie What he does, his line is literally, uh, Don Corleone, um, I wanted something along the lines of, like, I want to thank you for inviting me on the day of your daughter's wedding. I hope that their first child is a masculine child, right? So he goes up and he goes to deliver the line. Now, if you've ever seen the movie, you know how he delivers the line. He he stutters and he messes it up. He's like, you know, Don Corleone, I want to thank you for inviting me to your daughter's On the day of your daughters, like he's screwing it up, right? Yeah. One take, Francis Ford says, cut, and he says, keep it. To him, it was phenomenal to see this hulking, hulking gangster scared of the Godfather. And that would push along the feeling in the movie that even the Godfather, at his age and smaller than the most feared man in the Mafia, the feared man was afraid of the Godfather. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: that's that's how you know that's somebody you don't want to mess with. So he
1: kept it yeah. just because Montana was so nervous about it, right? Not only was that performance so good for him, it, it wasn't just that. Francis Ford Coppola then said, I have to write another scene for him. So then he writes a scene that takes place right before that. And if you watch the movie, you know why he stutters. Because outside, before he goes in, there's a scene where he's sitting there literally going over the line over and over very nervous, but like this big guy, like he's practicing it. He wants to get it perfect for the Godfather. Right. And off to yeah. the side, there's a scene with uh, Al Pacino's character and, and his, um, his girlfriend at the time. And the, she's like, why is that man talking to himself? And he's like, Oh, he's a very scary man. He works for my father. And she's like, well, why is he scary? And he tells her a story about uh, how, There was a there's a singer kind of like a Frank Sinatra type type of a guy uh, who the Godfather was trying to get out of a band contract. And when the band leader said no, the Godfather sent Luca Brazzi and Luca Brazzi came back with the contract signed and uh, his girlfriend's like, well, how did he get him to do that? And he says, well, he told him, you know, that either the signature or his brains would be all over that contract. And so that in that instance, you get this feeling of like, holy cow, this guy's not something to be messed with. There's also rumors that that story is kind of true as well. Like in real life, that a lot of these stories you hear in the film uh, did happen because a lot of the people on set said, oh, why don't you say this? Because like, let me tell you about how this happened one time. You know what I mean? Yeah. But so, uh, yeah, but this movie ended up being a big deal for him. He was he he got a lot of work after that in TV and movies. uh, And then he ended up dying of a heart attack uh, years later. But Lenny Montana, dude, he would end up to like he starts out in the streets of New York, right, becomes a professional wrestler and at the same time is bodyguard and enforcer for one of the biggest crime families in New York City and then becomes one of the bigger, bigger actors at the time in the 70s. (laughs) tell me that's not an odd life dude
0: that's very odd yeah that's right up there with i think it was uh, pete rose who in the off season from baseball would sell cars (laughs) (laughs) like no big deal yeah like he had to have a part-time job (laughs) but yeah
1: that's the that's the storied and odd life of lenny montana luca brazzi
0: that was very odd so there you go very very odd indeed
1: there's our sportsters
0: yeah And uh, so everybody knows, here's an update real quick. The raccoon made it to the top of the roof i was
1: happy dude i gotta tell you when yeah. i saw that headline um and that was the last thing i had seen at the end of my day yesterday i felt kind of sad i was just like oh
0: please yeah. I, I don't want to come back and see that i
1: i, I can't. just knew i was
0: gonna i just knew i was gonna wake up this morning to bad news about uh, that raccoon i, I couldn't
1: i couldn't deal with it if there was the case yeah. dude <laughs> Same here. i would just i would have <laughs> called into work and just be like i can't come in dude yeah i just
0: can't do it <laughs> i just can't do it yeah oh god uh, even even james gunn you know the guy who directs yes i know of Galaxy that's movies. who brought it
1: to my attention thank yeah. you james Gun,
0: he of course was saying, Hey, somebody needs to save this raccoon, and he was like, He was offering money for charity to do it. That but the update is, uh, the raccoon made it to the roof, uh, they were able to trap it safely, oh, and good. they're really rele- and, and they released it somewhere, and they didn't want to tell people where they released it, so right?
1: But oh, good, the, that's awesome,
0: yeah. So the raccoon's doing just fine, apparently. Thanks, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that I was. <laughs> Uh, you know, always every once in a while, probably about once a day, I check Twitter to see what's trending. Just to, yeah, I that's, know. How I, that's pretty much how I get my news nowadays. <laughs> and uh, it was like the raccoon was the top thing, and I was like, I have to know about this raccoon.
1: Yeah, I'm glad he made it. I saw it, and I, I had a bad feeling, and I was just like, Oh god, yeah. I can't put, I can't deal with that, man. I just can't.
0: I can't either. I can't. Either. I mean, they have they're they're almost human. They have hands. Crying out loud, and <laughs> they yeah, they got. They got thumbs. They got thumbs.
1: They're like little They're like little banditos with their masks, man. They're awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're very cool. <laughs> All right. But yeah, uh, this has been a good episode, I think. I think so as well. Yeah, I'm glad we think the same thing. If one of us <laughs> didn't, uh, I guess we'd have to redo it. I don't know.
1: Yep, yep. When you guys listen to this, uh, if you're a Patreon member, uh, head over to Patreon because um, I'm going to have the roundtable poll to vote on for next week's episode, so make sure you run over to Patreon History Creeps on Patreon.
0: There we go. And also go to bicbp radio.com and garbage self a history creeps t shirt. Yeah, boy. People are already doing so uh, and join those cool peeps.
1: Or else you're not going to be cool.
0: That's right. That's the only way to be cool.
1: I was thinking about putting out like a limited edition t shirt, like a special shirt that would be for sale for only a certain amount of time with only a certain amount of number available.
0: Well, I like this idea. What do you think? I'm on board for it. We'll work
1: on it. We'll see what the creepers say. I get a lot of feedback from creepers. They either send me messages through Facebook, uh, email me at Backish. Uh, I'm sorry, Backish is cheese. Uh, email me at <laughs> History, Creeps pod, or History Creeps Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, but yeah, we, we always get responses. And, and uh, oh, by the way, um, there's going to also be an update to the Yellow Deli uh, episode. If you guys listen to the Yellow Deli one, there's going to be an update to that next week. So listen for that.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Hopefully we don't forget because I was very fascinated by that.
1: Yeah, I've got it written down for next episode for sure.
0: Sweet, sweet. All right, well, uh, Chris, uh, for for you <laughs> and for me, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And as always, we want you because we're going to to stay odd. Nash me.